Let's stand together this morning. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. Joy to the nations when Jesus is King. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Lift up the heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the Sing 
is a, uh, a song that we sing about we belong to Jesus, and it's also a matter today that we belong to one another as uh, fellow believers in Christ, and we worship together here today and delighted that you're here. It's important that we help you to feel welcome and a part of us, and so if you're a guest with us today, welcome. So pleased you've chosen to worship with us, and uh, at my request, if you would, as a guest, just be seated, and that helps us as members to identify you. And we have a warm welcome for you. We want to greet one another. We want to greet our guest. To our guest, will be uh, you will be passed a little uh, note uh, requiring information where we can send you information about us. We would like to get to know you better. We will uh, come by and visit if you would like. If you want to visit here, again, mainly today we're concerned that you have a very meaningful worship experience here with us and that you know something about this family of faith to which we belong as uh, worshipers here together today. So our guests will be given a card. You can complete that, place it in the offering plates. It's passed later in the service. Our members will greet one another. We'll greet our guest in this moment, and then we'll continue to sing and worship the Lord together. We belong to Him.
sees our souls will awake and we'll sing till the break of the day because you are worthy yes lord
to give back to you what you have so generously given us. And we just pray, God, that as we go through this day, we would continue to think of how we can continue to give to you. And may we worship you and glorify you today, tonight, and as we go into the week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. something that's just between us and God. Sometimes we sing out so somebody else can hear how joyful our noise is. 
Um, other times we sing out just because, uh, just because. But we need to remember that worship is between us and God. So this morning, I, I encourage you that as we sing this last song, um, it's one that we've sung before, it shouldn't be new to you, maybe it is. Doesn't matter if it is. The words of this song is, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. And sing that song to God, not to the person next to you, not to, not to the pew, not to the hymn book, not to, but sing it directly to God, like he's sitting right there in front of you. If, if that's a struggle for you this morning, if there's something going on in your life and, and that's too hard for you to do, then my encouragement to you is sit and listen to God's people. It is an awesome pleasure and, and privilege of ours to be able to listen to God's people sing his courses and his praises and his songs. If there's stuff going on in your life this morning that you, know, you can't sing this to God, listen. You can worship through listening. Um, maybe your personal preference is you don't like this song. It's fine too. Allow God to minister to you through whatever way uh, he's going to this morning. It is true for every single one of us. Every one of us is driven by something. Every one of us is driven by something. You know what it means to uh, drive? 
to drive, to be driven. To drive means that uh, it's to guide or it's to control or it's to direct. And uh, whether that is a car or a nail or a golf ball, the idea of guiding and controlling and directing it is uh, what is determining the distance, what is determining what happens uh, with that object to be driven by something. We are driven by something. Each of us has in our life that which drives us. What's the driving force in your life? I, I know that uh, we looked this morning at a passage of Scripture. It's in Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament uh, book of Ecclesiastes, fourth chapter, fourth verse. Um, it's a, a book in the first place that has a central theme about it. Uh, it's dealing with the, uh, the meaning of life. Uh, that's what's being written about in the book of Ecclesiastes. There are those people, there were those people in our past, in the history, who thought it best that Ecclesiastes not be included in the canon of Scripture or the list of the books that we have in the Bible because it uh, was very depressing. Uh, it didn't present the gospel. It didn't have some of the things that uh, so often we think uh, Scripture needs to, to deal with. Personally, I'm grateful it's there because it deals with life in a perspective and at a time that uh, causes us to look deep within at the motives of life. It causes us to look at the things that drive people. Uh, it talks about uh, behavior and the motives for behavior in a person's life. It, it talks about where God fits into the personal mission. We would say in the 21st century today, the personal mission of life. And that's a paramount uh, matter for leaders because leadership must have an understanding of what is driving them and to where those matters are driving them in life. They have to understand that. I think a part of it helps leaders to also understand that, um, that it helps them to define what they're about. That's why leaders have to be parts of institutions and foundations and, and things that are bigger than they are. That, that, that is a part of what a leader, a man or a woman who is, is leading others in a company or a job or a church, they, they like to be about those things that's greater themselves than themselves because, first of all, that says that causes them to step outside of themselves somewhat. And, and that's good. That's healthy to break down the barrier of selfishness in our lives. It's also that it needs to be bigger than we are because... That's how God gives us many times uh, increased responsibilities. God gives to us greater challenges. The prayer of Jabez, you remember that prayer in the Old Testament, Jabez, who had prayed that God would bless him, that God would give him much land, that God would give him greater responsibilities. And it, it is something that God can call us to do. And so we look at it here in the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse, uh, of Ecclesiastes. This is King Solomon writing. This is a man who had everything that he could want. The wealth was his. This is King David's son. It comes at a time that uh, the kingdom, the empire that Solomon was leading was, uh, was at its height. It was at the zenith of the nation of Israel. 
the known world then, there would be people, representatives from all those other com countries coming to um, Solomon for his wisdom. The Queen of Sheba, there's one of those stories told there, and there's, uh, there are other leaders who come. And so Solomon gives wisdom to you and to me today. He gives help in the search for meaning and the direction of life. And so he says in the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse of um, Ecclesiastes, you can find it there in the Pew Bible in front of you with your own scripture that you've brought. Uh, this is the translation that I've chosen to use today because it uh, reads the easiest and the smoothest. Uh, Solomon says, Then I observed, looking at the meaning of life, leading what drives us, leading us to understand that and to deal with that. Then I observed that the basic motive for success is the driving force of envy and jealousy. Here it is in the New Revised Standard Version. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from one person's envy of another. You've got it there in your King James Version or the New International Version. This is a theme also of what Solomon says over and over again about life. This also is vanity and emptiness and a chasing after wind. The idea that success, and success is good. Success is not bad. Success calls us to follow after things and to give excellence toward it. But, but Solomon is saying here there is a success that is created and it comes about only because it is at the envy of what others have. It, it's the old bumper sticker that he who dies with the most toys wins. The, the, the idea that it's all about accumulation. And, and so Solomon's writing here in, in, in this verse, and he's, he is saying that that's the basic motive for success. It's what drives us. It is success. Well... We look at things that are also true about what drives us. What drives you today? It, 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 is, it could be very well success. It could be materialism. It could be any number of things. But each of us has something or some things that drive us. It may be pressure. Some people respond beautifully to pressure, and that's what really drives them. That's what gets the most from them. There is the, the pressure. Sometimes related to that's kind of a deadline. Some people are driven by deadlines. They really get to work and they work hard on, on things when the deadline is nearing. Some people are driven by problems. Some people, the, uh, if it weren't for a crisis in their life, they wouldn't have much of a life. It's, it's always something that's just disrupted their normal living patterns and that's, that really drives them. It may be a painful memory. There are painful memories that, that drive us. There are also those haunting forces uh, that, that drive us. might not be the same kind of thing, but uh, I uh, saw uh, one time, actually I've seen it more than once, maybe you've seen the, the movie uh, The Benchwarmers. It's a baseball story. It's about children who were bullied. Uh, actually, they're young adult men who were bullied when they were children. I want to be careful to... Uh, recommend a movie to uh, congregation. Lois Rowden in our church, years past Lois is now with the Lord, but I recommended a movie to Lois, and I, I think she gave the movie and me very poor reviews for recommending that movie, and so got to be careful about this. So I'm not recommending Benchwarmers. I'm just using it as an illustration. Uh, but in Benchwarmers, there is the guy, one of the, uh, the rejects, we call them. It was 
um, part of a fraternity group at uh, Howard Payne College where I went to school. It was called the Rejects. And uh, uh, he was one of the Rejects. Uh, his name was Clark. He was a nerd. Clark had a brother who was just deathly afraid of the sun. He didn't want to have anything to do with the sun. And finally, I guess it's a note of victory toward the end of the movie, uh, Clark's brother comes out and he faces the sun and, and then immediately just douses himself with uh, all of the, uh, you know, the lotion and the sunscreen and all of that kind of thing to protect himself from the sun. But some of us have haunting memories that are almost that way for us. There are things that limit us. There are things that capture us and keep us from being what the Lord wants us to be. For some, it's guilt. Guilt. Um, people spend their entire lives running from their regrets, hiding their shame. Guilt-driven people are manipulated by their memories. They punish themselves by sabotaging their own successes because they have guilt over the way things were done at one time. I think there are many people who are driven by their fears, a fear that's a result of some type of traumatic experience, no doubt that actually happened to them, but they're driven by their fears. And, and, and maybe it is out of those fears that they keep themselves from venturing out and, and trying other things. But I remind us today about all of these things that drive us, especially about fear. Fear is a choice. Fear is a choice we make to allow it to creep into our lives and to take us over. Fear will keep you from becoming. It's possible for fear to keep you from becoming what God wants you to become. It's possible that there's some kind of memory, some type of failure in the past that will keep you from being the person that God wants you to be. Roy Austin, I mentioned a few weeks ago, he was the counselor on staff at a church where I served in. As a psychologist, Roy had a way of saying, it is possible, it is possible for people to be a part of a failure. They could have had a failure in their business. They could have had a failure in relationships. But being a failure in part does not make you a failure permanently. Failure is not terminal. There are those things that we try and they do not work and we learn from them and we go on. And, 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 and what is happening here is this wise man, Solomon, as king, is saying in this case that it's, it's a chasing after the wind and that success when it's only for the purpose of having more, winning over your friends, it's not good. But it's just like God's word to come and remind us of what Jesus would say is the counterbalance. What's going to help us to even out? What is success just for the purpose of accumulation or defeating someone else? What, what is there that is the balance to that kind of matter in our lives? And I think quite simply Jesus would say, Jesus comes to us in the New Testament and he comes to say, if you want to keep the scales of your life in balance, if you want to find something that has that tempering effect upon your life day in and day out, that would be service. That would be doing something for someone other than yourself. It would be 
service. The scales are kept in balance by a sense of purpose, and we can have a sense of purpose when we do that for other people. We're in the process uh, now in our church of, of calling men to serve as uh, deacons, and they're the the nomination forms. You can see those. They're around the church, and and um, what we do in that's ask for recommendations. There are two two uh, places that are needed for deacons to serve in our church. And one of the things that I would think it's important to say to all of us in a time like this and in this process of uh, calling these men to serve, we say, as deacons, is uh, that we nominate the ones. They are to be interviewed by this uh, screening committee, but we nominate ones who have that proper perspective of service because that's really what we want a deacon to be in a church is one of service service to us service to the Lord service to the community and it it is really not the chief criterion of the individual for it to be which Sunday school class do they belong? This is not a competition between Sunday school classes. This is a matter of each individual in the church before you nominate the person to serve as deacon to look for the model and the example of service. That's the counterbalance to just success, being involved. That's the counterbalance to being controlling, directing, driven by something that is personal and selfish. Service, to me, has that great tempering effect in our lives that helps us to get outside of ourselves. And so the ones we need to look for to serve as deacons here are the ones who are the models, the examples of service. It's, um, it's a part of what we do here as well in this process. To be nominated certainly is not to be selected. There's a process, there's prayer. This is what we call a theocracy within the church. The idea is that we all pray, we all seek God's will in this, and we trust that we come out of that with God's will for the ones that will be selected. So we see evidence in the lives of people, in the lives of Christians, in the lives of believers in the church. Where do they serve? What will they do? to serve others. Now, where did I get that? Where did you get the idea about service? Well, I, I, I know it's in the Scripture. I, I know it's in the life of Christ. I, I know it's over and over presented to us. It, it, it really is. It, it is there, the idea of serving one another. I, I guess the passage that got me this week, it just really grabbed my heart is that passage, it's in the Gospel of John. There's a little different timing there for Jesus' last week in John. He just goes into some other things. And so this could be uh, a day before what we have as the Last Supper and those things. Jesus is traveling around Jerusalem that last week of his life. And you'll recall that he's been training them these three years of this earthly ministry And it's during this last week, the days leading up to his crucifixion, that Jesus overhears 
two of the guys at least, two of the disciples, they're talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Well, not really greatest as they want one to serve on his right and one to serve on his left. When Jesus comes into his new kingdom, who's going to be on the, on the cabinet, you know? And so they want Jesus to decide. And I'm sure the Savior just shook his head, you know, and he's thinking, Man, I've been with these guys three years. I've been trying to teach them about these things. First of all, I'm not going to have a cabinet. And um, so he doesn't re respond except that to say, if you want to be great, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become a servant. Isn't it Jesus in another place where he also says, he did not come to be served, but to serve? That's where I get some of this. But, but I really get it from looking at that passage during the week. And it, it grabbed me. And it, uh, in all honesty, it woke me early this morning, in, in the sleep during the night, actually. And I got to thinking about, here is Jesus. They've said this. He knows what they've said. He's responded to them somewhat. But they come in. They're going to spend that time together that evening. They have the, the meal there. And Jesus, while they're doing all that stuff, getting ready to eat, Jesus comes in. He takes his robe, and he picks up the robe, and he tucks it inside the belt like uh, there to would gird himself. And he picks up a basin, and he has some water, and he has a towel, and he kneels down to each of the men. He, he kneels down before them. And he begins washing their feet. And here's the thing that grabbed me about that scripture. Here is Almighty God in the person of Jesus Christ. Almighty God kneeling down before those men and washing their feet. And then I, as pastor, believer, Christian, I I'm going to have the proper response to that. And so I would say, what would there be that I would not do for the sake of God who is serving me? What would there be that I wouldn't do? And yet at times I realize we, we all do it. We all do. No, I'm not going to make that call. It's, um, it's too late. I, I, don't, I don't need to call and check on that person and see where they've been and why they haven't been to Sunday school. No, no I'm not going to make that visit. I, I can't run to the hospital this late in the day, this late in the week. I've been there too as pastor. You know, it's like, man, that's, I mean, that's, that's really asking a lot of me. I have people occasionally in our church, doesn't happen very often, but I have people occasionally say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know who my deacon is. My deacon's never contacted me. We have deacon family ministry in our church, which means a group of families uh, is under the responsibility, the purview, the leadership of a deacon family minister in our church. And so we have people say, I don't know who my deacon is. Or we'll have people say, you know, I had a death in my family and the deacon never showed, never, never heard from him, didn't have the call or the card or you know occasionally I hear that and I used to say well I, you know I regret that I can't apologize for the deacon I can't apologize for somebody else 
None of us can. But I can't apologize for them. But I can say, and what I have usually said is, you know, I really regret that, um, that that, uh, that, that happened. Um, but here's what I'm going to say now. Because there's truth in this also. I will say to people, have you contacted your deacon? Because you understand that there are times in which your deacon may need you. We, we really don't know what's going on for the most part within the lives of the people in our fellowship. You know it? We all come here and we look good and we're dressed good and we smell nice. But I dare say there are broken hearts and there are hurt relationships and there are broken finances that are up and down these pews. We really don't know what's going on in the lives of people. That's not a threat. I'm not speaking down to you. I'm just telling you the truth. There are people who are hurting on every single pew in this church. And that actually the church is to be a ministering, caring, serving place so that it's as much the responsibility of the church member to check on their deacon as it is for the deacon to take care of his group of families. I really see it that way. Because there are times I know in my own life when it would, it would be such a blessing and such a reward to me if somebody would say to me, Larry, how are you? Not Larry the pastor, not Larry the one I'm paying your salary, but Larry, how are you? That to me is church. That to me is service. That to me is caring. He's a Presbyterian pastor. Steve West, but I like what he says. When I cry, you ought to taste salt. Jesus says the counterbalance to success that is wrapped up in possessions or power or control, the counterbalance is service that says, is there anything before Almighty God who knelt before that group of disciples who even now stands ready to listen to any prayer that you will offer who's ready to help you in any way that is best for you if you call upon him. Is there anything in all of life that I would say I will not do for that kind of Savior? Let's pray together. Lord God, we uh, acknowledge that you have done so many wonderful things for us. Father, you serve us. You serve us. You listen to our prayers, and, Father, they are sincere. They're heartfelt. We need rain. Father, we are burning up. Maybe sometimes people want to talk about all of the coming judgment and all the bad stuff that's going to happen and look for this and that, and that's going to be in certain, certain chapter and certain, 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 certain verse. And the truth is, Father, we may be in the midst of your judgment right now. But, Father, you still serve us. You give us hope. You give us help. And so I continue to pray for rain because I know you can be trusted. I ask for a break in the heat because there are people that are hurting and people that are dying. Father, I ask for help in marriages and in families because they're hurting. And I know that you will serve us. You give to us a direction. You give to us a strength. Father, it's awfully amazing that if when we come before you with heads bowed and eyes closed and we say, Father, have mercy on us, you hear us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the love. We thank you for the Savior who will kneel before the group of disciples 
who apparently just looks like, sounds like to me, Father, they just kind of totally missed it. At least a couple of them did. They wanted to talk about power. And you want to talk to us about service, about caring. I ask that you would bless our church with those two deacons who would be servants. We need more who help us to know what it is to be a servant, who will help this to be a servant church. Pray for your will on the first Sunday and the the 18th, the third Sunday it is, Father, in September when we decide as a church on the two new deacons. Your will be done, I pray, in our church and in the lives of the men that we will call. But I pray now in this moment that you would serve us with a sense of strength and courage in how we need to go about life in this coming week. It was on that sign I saw in a church a long time ago, enter to worship, depart to serve. May we do that. Father, just lead and guide and bless in this time of dedication and commitment, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What we do is um, play uh, some music. Music has a great way of helping the soul get in touch with uh, with the Spirit of God. And so uh, we have a music uh, piece of music being played. We're here at the front to pray with you. You might want to join the church. That would be absolutely wonderful. We'd welcome you into the fellowship of this church. Bible-believing, God-fearing group of people here. Some of the finest people on earth are members of this church. So we invite you to membership here. Um, Maybe that you sense something out of a, a need in your life for God to direct you to a place to serve. Whatever it is, we can pray with you. You can pray about it where you sit. Um, something you want to do with your family to be the kind of leader God wants you to be. You do that in this time of dedication and invitation. Let's let the Spirit of God speak to us. see my need 
I think, uh, Derek, if you will, help me with announcements. Pierced your Okay. <laughs> uh, if you'll just help us with the announcements, and uh, then I'll introduce Dale at the end, and then we'll go. Is that all right? Uh, that's fine. The AED is out in the hallway, uh, the artificial defibrillator. Oh, yeah, that, yes. uh, yeah. That's if anyone needs need that, that, let me know. I think we only uh, have one, though. So uh, uh, That's okay. We'll all use it. Okay. Um, I have no clue what I did there, but I I'll apologize. Just a minute. Damn. Hold on just a second. <laughs> okay. Um, tonight, we have the new member fellowship. Starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, fried fish, fried chicken. It will not be cooked in the same oil. So for those of you that are freaking out, um, did, I, did I let something out of the bag? Okay. Sorry if I ruined something, Mark. Um, but uh, be here tonight for that. Be a great, great, great uh, fellowship for everyone. It's church-wide. Next Sunday night is the summer swimming party. It's at Bradfield Pool. It has a diving board. It has a uh, slide, uh, and it has water. Um, that's that wet stuff that we haven't seen in a long time. So we invite you to that. That's free. Uh, it starts at, and it has shade, Christy says. Starts at 6.30. Not at 6, but at 6.30. Uh, we will not meet here. We meet at Bradfield Pool. Uh, if you need directions to that. Uh, you can Google it. The address is in the bulletin, or you can call the church office sometime this week, and we'll let you know. Um, let's see. Miss Joyce, what were the numbers we had this week? So around 50 kids this week for our, our mini VBS beach blast, uh, but that finished our summer children's feeding program. Um, great time this week we didn't kill any of them which was a good thing um, but it was a great opportunity to get young people in the building again so uh, if you missed out on that opportunity to serve um, I'm sure we'll find someplace else for you to serve if you listen to the message this morning see I listened service I gotta use my kidneys good. so I think that's it okay I uh, 
Joyce tonight too, I, so that everybody understands this new member fellowship. We've had several new additions to the church fellowship over the past several weeks, and we'll recognize folks tonight uh, during that time. So, anything else, Joyce, you want to say about that? Let me introduce you to Dale Foster. Dale, if you would stand here with me. Dale's been uh, visiting our church for a while. I really appreciate your friendship and your sharing with me about your pilgrimage and everybody, as I've, I've shared with you these days, everybody that joins has a, has a story, has a wonderful story about uh, your life pilgrimage. Dale's one of those also, and, and, um, and your husband's death and working through that. And these days, I'm just delighted that uh, you're sharing your life with us here now. comes on uh, transfer of a church membership from a local Baptist church. And if you would receive Dale into the... Uh, fellowship the friendship of our church if you'd indicate by the upraised hand please thank you very much dale that's our way of saying hi welcome and uh, there will be a deacon family minister uh, assigned to you within a couple of weeks and they'll help you get to know the church better and they'll introduce you to folks even more i know you're a part of the friendship class and so that's great i'm glad you're already in that but hope you will come by in just a moment introduce yourselves to uh, dale she'll you know her name now, and so uh, she will get to meet you. Do you have a moment to stay after the service? All right, she will be right here. Let's stand together, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Come by and visit with Dale. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future And life is worth the living just because he lives Amen, God bless you, we'll see you tonight